involving the overtime goal called back in Edmonton. So without further ado, let's bring him in right now. Dave Jackson, former NHL ref, ESPN NHL rules analyst. Dave, you're fighting for your life on Twitter right now. You're doing the good work out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going for a skin graft to fix the uh, skin on my thumbs a little later. Uh, <laughs> God, yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a long night. Okay, so we're, we're going to have you do it one more time, but we're not going to make you talk it out, luckily. It was a controversial disallowed goal last night for Connor McDavid and the Oilers in overtime, nonetheless. But you broke it down uh, really well on Twitter as to why it was the right call. Can you give our fine listeners the Coles notes as to why that is the case? Absolutely. I mean, it really, if you take the emotion out of this call, it's really pretty simple. And I'm saying that, watching it on on video it's slow motion it's not simple on the ice i mean that was a bang bang play that is very tough to call and uh you know i don't blame the linesman for for waving it off um judgment uh, and control is so subjective but if you break it down when you have the advantage of the uh, video high depth slow mo he comes across the blue line he has possession and control of the puck which is important as he gets to the blue line before his feet have even entered the zone He's no longer touching the puck. It leaves his stick. The last time he touches the puck, his feet are on the blue line. He then propels it across the blue line, sort of a pass to himself, which would be perfectly legal if he were to pick up the puck once he was inside the blue line. Right. However, however, the puck comes into the zone, and he never touches it again. He gets physically engaged by the defenseman. It then becomes a battle for a loose puck. It goes underneath McDavid's skate. He never touches it. It goes between the defenseman's legs, and the next time that puck is touched is by the defenseman's defense partner, who poke checks it to Dreisaitl, who then passes it to McDavid. McDavid never touches that puck until he receives the pass from Dreisaitl. Therefore, he doesn't have control of that puck. It's black and white. So the two things that happened after that on Twitter, after that explanation, because I was reading the reading the thread and following along were people saying, okay, how is this any different than the McCarr goal? And then the other one that got referenced was the Kuznetsov goal from, um, I guess, a handful of years ago, I, I believe. People really do their research, I will say that. Oh yeah, like I didn't even, I've never seen that Kuznetsov goal ever in my life, but they dug back into the archives and were like, what's the difference? So for anyone yeah. that has brought up those points, because because you did a great job on Twitter clearing that up, and they are different, but the Kuznetsov one, I guess, is the most similar one to the McDavid one. So if you could just clear up those differences now forever. Sure. I'll start with the McCarr one. That's easy. That is completely dissimilar. There's nothing at all on that call that it was uh, resembled last night's play. And McCarr's play, he was not inside the zone. He was in a neutral zone. Mm-hmm. The puck was across the blue line. He did not make contact with the puck until his teammate tagged up. It was a microsecond delayed offside. So that is completely dissimilar to last night. The Knetsov one, I'll agree with you, it's, it's almost identical. And as I said at the beginning of this, when I explained David's um, entry into the zone, he propelled the puck across the blue line. He didn't carry it. He was in possession of control. He propelled it to himself. Unfortunately, he never picked it back up mm. once it crossed the blue line. In Knetsov's case, he propelled it to himself, picked it back up when he crossed the blue line. Yeah, Big interesting. Difference. Okay, so following the game, Connor McDavid had some comments, and he, he, if you listen to it, he actually didn't really criticize the officiating. He, he was more critical of the league and uh, the way that, or maybe the lack thereof, of the way that they've 
uh, gotten the information regarding rules and stuff to players. Do you buy that? Do you, do you think it's a little confusing for players? You know what? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to preface this with, I'm going to say, Connor McDavid is one of the top three players I've ever been on the ice with, had the privilege of doing it. He's a great hockey player, and he treated me not, nothing. I mean, he treated me like a gentleman his yeah. entire career when I was on the ice with him. But Connor's not alone. The players and a lot of coaches and a lot of people around the game don't pay attention to the rule memos, the videos. I mean, the NHL puts out videos every fall, sends them to the teams, tells them, watch these plays. And nobody watches them and nobody cares about them until it happens to them. And then they say, hey, nobody understands this rule. Well, I laugh because anybody that pays attention to the rules, any any, um, people in hockey ops, any uh, coaches, players, scouts that understand the rule book, that was, a, that was a no-brainer last night. It was obvious it was offside. I'm laughing right now because every day here at Bell Media, we get training modules that none of us have completed <laughs> sent to us, and I'm feeling like it's kind of the same thing. The, the NHLers are not, uh, not reading their training modules that they get on their daily emails and ignoring them the way that no, if, kind of if the rest of the world does. No, if it directly, there's, there's no incentive to read or, or uh, you know, educate yourself on these things. That's just human nature. Yeah, totally. Okay, last one before we let you go. This kind of led to a debate uh, about really ticky-tacky reviews that the NHL has gotten into now, and we were blaming Matt Duchesne for it because it kind of all stemmed from that. And, well, and, it all stemmed from that. Yeah. You're exactly right. Exactly. So so where, what's the referee perspective, and I feel like it's kind of obvious, on uh, the ticky-tacky reviews? And then we kind of talked ourselves into a circle in saying that even if they took away the reviews now, stuff's going to get kind of reviewed on social media to the nth degree anyways. Correct. I mean, I remember Mr. Bettman saying uh, when we originally, the whole thing came in for video review, he said, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. So we brought that in to fix a 10-foot offside that decided a game that happens once every decade. And we said, no, we need to bring a mechanism in to fix that. But the problem is you can't pick and choose which calls you're going to review and which ones you aren't. It's either all or nothing. Yeah, so here and, we are. You know, it's a slippery slope. So now we're at the point where we review offside plays that are millimeters offside. And it was never intended for that, but there's, there's no way around it. You, you can't then say, well, we're only going to review six-inch offsides or we're only going to review 18-inch offsides. It's either all or nothing. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating conversation, and we see it in all sports too, where it's just like every every sport has that one egregious call that then brings in reviewing everything. So um, players are, I mean, players, fans, whatever. There there are so many different opinions on it. Before we let you go, I, I just had one more question for you about yeah. just when you hear a player, I guess, talking after a game about the officiating or about rules or things of that nature. Um, you had a long career as a referee, but did it did it feel different when you first started? You you have to have thick skin. They, that that's what they tell you every time when you're a referee, even when you're just first starting out as a as a minor hockey referee. Um, did it ever get to you? Do you ever talk to that player at some point, or do you kind of just brush it off? I imagine every situation is probably different. Well, you're absolutely right. When I first got to the NHL, I couldn't wait to pick up a newspaper the next day and see if they talked about me or turn on the TV. And then after about, after about a month of that, I realized it was soul crushing. (laughs) (laughs) The only time they ever talked about me was when I screwed up and, you know, I mean, it was quite often. So, um, I made a point my entire career. I mean, I'm so glad Twitter really wasn't a big phenomenon as it is now. Um, 
I had no social media. I didn't read newspapers, and I didn't watch sports news. I just refused to do it because if you do that, it gets in your head, and it just crushes your confidence. It crushes your soul. So my, I guess the short answer is no, I, I didn't talk to that player if he said something about me because I wouldn't even know about it. Yeah, well, kudos to you. Me and Luca were just laughing before we brought you on because we didn't even make it out of Adam refereeing. The parents were too vicious for us. So congratulations on, a, on an illustrious career, and, and thank you so much for, for joining us today for your insight. Oh, it's my pleasure, please. And any Anytime. You guys have a great day. Thank you. Dave Jackson, former NHL ref and currently ESPN's NHL rules analyst. Yeah.